Daytha, how we doing? Welcome to podcast number 14. I hope you're all well. This week again has flown by and we're now running up to Christmas 2022 as I speak. You may have seen a photo on my Facebook page, but um, if you haven't, one of the funerals that we conducted this week turned out to be quite memorable. There was a big connection with the Weybridge Male Voice Choir for this funeral. The lady's late husband sung with them and um, she used to go around and watch them quite a bit. So it was nice that um, we had some of the shipwrecks who actually came and sang at the funeral. And for those of you that aren't local, um, the shipwrecks are the best boy band ever to come out of Wadebridge. I think they've got an average age of about 84 which would be a lot older if it weren't for youngsters like Dale Cook and Steph Davey bringing the age down considerably. Three of their members used to work for us, which was Terry Rowe and Bob Parkhouse, or Bobby P as I like to call him. Uh, They both retired this year from us, and then Ellis Baker, who retired a couple of years ago. I'm not sure if I can remember the rest of them. I'm bound to leave somebody out, but I obviously there's... Bob Wynn and Baz and Mick Stone, uh, Terry Johns, Mac. can't think. There must be others that I have forgotten. Sorry about that, gang. But they don't make a bad row at all. I think the history of them was that they was all singing in the Weybridge Melville's Choir and they used to practice in the hall which is attached to our chapel where our chapel rest is now, which is actually now our garage. And I'm sure it was a Wednesday evening. And after the practice, they all used to go over to the ship inn, which is only a few hundred yards away from us at the bottom of Gunvina Hill. And they'd have a few pints and they'd sing a few good old Cornish songs. And being the ship, I think that's where the name the shipwrecks came from. And they just went from strength to strength. So they was all geared up, ready to sing this week at the funeral. And then who should come in, in the congregation, but John Cleave from the Fisherman's Friends there at Port Isaac. And I think if I'm right, years ago, John used to sing in the Weybridge Male Voice Choir as well. So he gnawed them all. And in fact, I think Bob Parkhouse was one of the original members of the Port Isaac Fisherman's Friends, if I'm right. But I think he left them before... They made it big. Anyway, John had a little chat with them, and it was lovely that for the three songs that they sung, John actually got up and sung with them. I did have a chance to speak to John after the funeral, and I said to him, if he practised more, you never know, one day he may be lucky enough to be asked to join the shipwrecks. After the service, we headed off for the burial, and... Unknown to us, about 30 minutes before, over a 100 sheep had decided to get through a gateway and over the edge and had gone into the churchyard where we were heading. I could be wrong with this, but um, if I'm right, I think the flock belonged to Tom and James Warren and all the gang there at Trezungers, wonderful family, and I think it might have been theirs that were um, heading to the Oli Pastures. Now, we were very fortunate on this day because our Sexton Allen had his young apprentice, T. 
tarry on with un, and Terry has got quite a bit of knowledge about sheep. I'm sure he's got his own little flock, and I think he's won a lot of prizes with them. So um, when they saw the sheep there, I'm guessing it was Terry's shepherding skills, with, along with Alan, that they managed to get the sheep back in the field. Either that, or the fact that when the flock saw they pair strekking towards them, you can guarantee that um, they saw fear and just scarpered anyway. So quite often we sing in church, the Lord is my shepherd. Well, that day, Alan Roberts and Terry Simmons was my shepherds. This did remind me of another time that I encountered sheep connected with a funeral. This was a funeral that I'll never forget. It was one of the most involved funerals that I've ever arranged. And if I was to go into detail about it, it would definitely be one of the longest podcasts I'd ever done. You most probably wouldn't believe half of it. But due to client confidentiality, I can only really tell you about a little bit. And this bit involves the sheep. Up until a few years ago, we were always on call to the coroner. So if a death was unexpected or if it was due to an accident or violence, a suicide, murder, anything like that, once the police had been called and they'd done their paperwork, we would then be called to take the deceased to the mortuary. When I started with Father, our area was pretty much from St. Q down to Sinise and out to Washaway. But as the years went on, the coroner asked us if we could take on more areas for him or her. So eventually we covered right the way down Padstow, Travone, Constantine Bay, right down to Porthcothan Bay, St. Neville, uh, St. Mabon, St. Tudy. And then when Ian Unney retired, we also took on Port Isaac right up to Port Gavern as well. When we received the call, they really wanted us there within 30 minutes. And as you can imagine, sometimes that was a little bit stressful. And um, we always had to have two men on standby. We always tried to get it that if it wouldn't both me and father, that it would be one of us, because if we did see the family there... It was always nice that at least they saw a familiar face in a terrible, sad time. In my early days, we would either have to take the deceased to the mortuary at St Lawrence's Hospital or to the mortuary up at Liscard, and in both cases, wait for the pathologist to come over the following days to do the post-mortem. At St Lawrence's, we would always meet the porter from the hospital but up at Liscard, it would always be Trelawney Ugaldi that we would meet, the local family undertaker up there. And um, it is lovely that two of his boys, Clive and Brian, are still carrying on the family firm today. If my memory serves me right, the pathologist from Derriford would come across there to Liscard, I think it was twice a week. Then, a few years later, we would have to go each time to Trelisk. Uh, back then, we used to have to reverse into this little bay. We'd have to walk a short distance to a lift, which would take us down into the bowels of the earth, it felt like. We'd have to walk along a long little corridor until we got to the mortuary. 
But then thankfully, a few years later, they built a, a new modern mortuary where it was a very short distance to travel. Back in the night time then, the police would radio their control as we were leaving and they would bleep the duty mortician to come in to meet us to let us in. Well, most of the time. On the odd occasion, there would be a breakdown in communication and I'd be sat there in the dark, in the cold, and after about half hour, 45 minutes, I would ring back the police and um, for some reason or other, the mortician hadn't been bleeped and then they did it right away. Then, as the years went on with cutbacks and everything, it was decided that there was no need for a mortician to come in. So I would arrive at the hospital, have to go to Trelawney Wing, book myself in, get a key, go down to the mortuary, let myself in, sort everything out, all the paperwork and everything, lock up, go back to Trelawney Wing and back home again. So you can imagine this did take up a big chunk of the night. I always used to think that if we had a call before two o'clock, half past two, it would give me time to, to go to Trelisk and maybe get back in bed for an hour or two. But anything after that, and it was pretty much um, by the time I got home, it was time to get ready to go to work again. And back then, I reckon we were averaging two to three coroner's night calls a week. We still do get calls in the night now. Um, these are obviously now for deaths that were expected. So as soon as the doctor has been, or if at a nursing home, the nurse verifies the death, we then go and bring the deceased back into our care. And in fact, this week, um, we've had already three calls during the night for exactly that reason. Some nights, including last night, we do actually, or we did have more than one call in a night. And I think with nearly 40 years now of going to bed every night and you kind of half listening for the phone, so you it makes you a light sleeper anyway, I think that's the reason that I do have trouble sleeping through the night. It is very rare these days. I do get a, a good night's sleep and um, I always seem to be more tired in the morning than I was the night before when I went to bed. There were times when it was needed that the police would give you an escort from the scene to the mortuary for continuity, as they called it. And I always remember the first time this happened to me, I had to go from the scene to St. Lawrence's mortuary with the police escort. Now, I thought he'd be leading me and I would be following behind, but it was the reverse. And I am been driving too long, really. Um, I was a nervous wreck. I was watching everything I was doing. It was almost like I was on my driving test again. And the policeman following me was the lovely Pete Bradbury. And Peter is still going strong, lovely chap. But I hadn't really come into contact much with Peter before. And when we got to the mortuary and we jumped out, he come up to me and he said, you was pretty driving some careful there, wasn't he? Lovely chap. I've had a lot of people over the years ask me how I coped with this side of our job with the funeral directing going out to sudden deaths. And to be honest, it's something I've always pretty much coped okay with. You knew when the police rung, it could be something untoward. So you kind of prepared yourself by the time you got there. I think 
The worst part of it was that very rarely, if it was an accident or something, you know, like a murder or something like that, you were never told the name of the deceased. So the worst part of it was that you would be driving out, not knowing who it was, and quite often thinking that it would be somebody that you knew. Um, it was not a very nice feeling at all, to be honest. So we worked for the coroner for a number of years until a few years ago it was decided instead of having a lot of smaller areas, Cornwall would be pretty much divided into two. And of course for us smaller firms there was no way we could cover such big areas so it was put out to tender and initially you had the big national firms would take over and work for the coroner but now if anyone dies in most of the area that we conduct funerals it is a a funeral directors from down west that do come up and take the deceased to Trelesque. Once the coroner's undertakers have taken to the mortuary then that's their job finished and they they don't get in contact anymore with the family and that's when we can then take over. So back to the sheep. On this occasion I'm thinking it was got to be over 20 years ago maybe 25 or more um, we had a phone call from the police one dinner time to say that there was a unexpected death and could we please attend so me and Gordy edit out this was to a campsite out of season and when we arrived the policeman was there and he said there was going to be a little delay and basically um, he had left the the next of kin with the deceased while he had gone up to the top of the hill to get a reception to radio for us and when he came back the next of kin had disappeared. They were obviously very concerned about the next of kin and the state of mind that she may be in so the extra police were called, search helicopters, the coast guard were called out, the onshore lifeboat and we were just waiting there for quite a few hours, as it turned out, hoping that she would be found. Well, as the hours went on, me and Gordy needed a comfort break, so to speak. So we headed over to the campsite reception to see if the toilets were open, and when we come back, we were horrified to see that there were sheep everywhere. We didn't have a clue where they came from initially, but then we realised our mistake and there was a gate we'd gone through that we hadn't shut properly. So for the next 45 minutes, well, me and Gordy, I think we was like the Keystone Cops. We was chasing sheep left, right and centre. We got one through the gate, trying to get another one in. The first one would get out, then others would whip behind us and it was a proper nightmare really. And in the end, we did concede defeat. And um, I went over to Martin, who owned the campsite, knocked him up and said, look, we're awful sorry, Martin, but somehow these sheep are everywhere. And dear of him, he was so laid back, he said it wouldn't be a problem. And in no time at all, they had rounded him up. I remember saying to Gordy at the time, well, thank goodness nobody saw us running around because it would have been quite a sight. But that's where I was wrong. And a few days later, a uh, a dear friend of ours, Gina Rowe, I bumped into her in town and she said, 
You had some trouble the other day with those sheep, didn't they? And I said, well, what are you on about? And little did we know that her house overlooked where we was running around and she watched everything through her binoculars. It was still quite a while afterwards until, thankfully, the next of kin was found. And she came back and she requested to have a little chat with me first, and um, which I was pleased to do, and everything was fine. And then Gordy and me headed off to Trelesque, and I think we got home that night. Oh, it got to have been nine o'clock, I reckon. I know it was fairly late in the evening, because I do remember Gordy saying to me at the time that he would be missing Emmerdale. Locally, the word had got out about our failed sheep herding, and a few days later, I received a present in the post. And I unwrapped it, and it was a lovely framed picture of a flock of sheep gecking right back at me. And to this day, I still haven't got a clue who sent it. On a side note, for any of you that didn't know my father... He had a lovely, subtle sense of humour and in and out he would be asked to officiate at a funeral service and I remember one time this was for the funeral of a local butcher. The family said that they didn't really have any favourite pieces of music to play so they would leave it to Father to choose something as we entered the chapel and as we left. So on the day of the service As people entered the chapel, the music was playing. You could see a smile come across some people's faces as they realised what it was. Others didn't have a clue, to be honest. So everyone was sat down and Father started the service and he said that obviously we were there today to say goodbye to a local well-known butcher. So he felt it appropriate that as we came in, the music would be back with Sheep May Safely Graze. This went down well with everyone there on the day and it's something that I will always remember. So that's it for this week. I think it just leaves me to wish you all a happy Christmas or as we say down here in Cornwall, Nadelic Lowen and I'll see you again next week. And as Tristan suggested to me earlier this week, Perhaps with me sleeping, why don't I just try and count sheep in bed at night? Wishy well, do Guinness. <laughs>